your eyes to the skies. It's time for Spaced Out on 95 PFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. Earth to Josh from the Stardome, you there, mate. Kia ora. how's it going? It's good, it's good. Now, we've got some pretty big old stories in space news this week. Uh, we're going to start with this laser story. Yeah, this uh, new space laser going up to the, the space station pretty soon. Okay, space uh, laser. Is it to, I mean, a space laser? How on earth does a space laser work? It's not obviously going to shoot this the ISS out of the sky. <laughs> yes, it's not a weapon. Um, but, yeah, no, basically NASA, they're sending up a new space communication system, which um, it uses lasers as opposed to radio waves. So most, most technologies that we use in our space infrastructure is on radio waves. Um, so, yeah, how we communicate with spacecraft, you know, on Mars and these space astronauts on the space station is through radio. Um, but we've always been quite limited with radio. It's essentially quite slow. You know, it's kind of like dial-up. Um, but the new system uses lasers to actually send information as opposed to radio waves. Can it send, um, so more, in, can it send more information faster? A hundred percent, yeah. So the, the benefit, it's kind of comparing like fiber to dial-up. So radio was dial-up and um, these laser communication systems would be like getting fiber. So they could, they're expecting speeds of, you know, over a gig per second. Um, and that's from the space station. So that's really fast for them. And it's um, hopefully can be rolled out to other space programs too. Can it go as deep into space as radio or does laser have a limit? Well, it, it can do, but it's, it's a bit of a technology test. Um, obviously, the space station is you know quite close to us. So if this works really well on the space station, um, NASA wants to develop it and then eventually send it on missions to the moon and then off to Mars. Um, but yeah, the, the challenge there is the distance. So if it does work close to Earth, um, they need to refine it to work at greater distances. But the problem with laser is also uh, it's quite a thin area that basically you're sending information from. So you'd have to have really accurate, um, you know, satellites and trackers and star systems to actually get that information. But, yeah, hopefully it does work and they can roll it out because it just means more information, essentially. What equipment do they need on board the space station to be able to receive and send, receive and fire back laser messages? Yeah, it's, it's basically, it's, um, they said it's like the size of a half of a car, so it's a big box-looking thing that they're sending out, which will be directly pointed at a satellite, which is already launched, which has already got that technology. Um, so that'll be directly relaying that information. Um, so, yeah, astronauts will have to actually install it, so they'll have to do a spacewalk and actually put this big thing on the outside of the space station. Um, but, yeah, once it's installed, it's, it's like GPS. It's very precise, um, and it should be able to track and send those informations pretty much straight away. Mm -hmm. doesn't have any, like, superpowers that it can actually shoot proper lasers to destroy stuff with? <laughs> no, no, no optical laser. It's infrared, so it's not stuff that we see. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it sounds sounds very cool. I like the name. Okay, is, are there any plans to like obviously reach the ISS? But would the ISS then shoot information via laser to other stuff that's relatively nearby, say the moon? Yeah, well, that, that's kind of what NASA wants to do, is if this works and they can do it on the ISS really well, the next mission is they actually want to send this on those Artemis moon missions. So when we actually send the people going around the moon, they need actually, you know, more bandwidth, essentially, to mm. send information and talk to the astronauts. So they will have um, these technologies on the later Artemis missions. Yes. Um, and that means that, you know, we can essentially stream, like, 4K video from the surface of the moon, oh, which wow. is going to be amazing. Which so. is, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Okay. Now, India have upgraded their space ambitions. They've had a successful mission to the moon, and they want a bit more. Yeah, India, India's kind of, we've talked about them a lot recently with their, you know, landing on the moon and their Mars missions. Um, but they've kind of announced and laid out their kind of roadmap for the next few decades. And they've um, they've just started testing a, a new space capsule, which is for astronauts. So that would make India only the fourth country to have a space capsule for people. Okay. Um, and then they've announced after that kind of a natural progression is they want to build their own space station. They plan to have that up in about 10 ish years um and then five years after that they hope to do a lunar landing so really kind of similar architecture to you know china and the usa um and india kind of jumped in on that space race is there a sharing of information about how to build a spacecraft for people yeah it's it's kind of a weird thing because india is more aligned with the united states um, it doesn't have a great relationship with China, like kind of like America. Um, but a lot of India's technology is based off Soviet technology, which mm. is also Chinese technology. Mm. So there, a lot of their spacecraft and technologies is based from Soviet era and Chinese um, spacecraft. So it looks very similar to Russian spacecraft. Um, but in terms of you know collaboration and information, India is aligned with the United States. So okay. they have this kind of weird uh, in-between point, I think. Kind of a, there's a bit of geopolitics in there too. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd actually like to see India collaborate with the USA because yep. you know China's banned from actually doing anything in space mm. with America. But yeah, you know the whole thing of space is collaboration and working yes. with other you know space agencies. So I'd really like to see you know USA and India do something in space because they've both proven themselves to be pretty capable. Would NASA send down some reps and go, hey yo, let's check out your thing that you're just about to blast off? And we'll... Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, you know, India and USA do collaborate on a lot of science, so I-, I have no doubt that you know NASA and other agencies that are involved in space would actually help um, help India. It's it's pretty common for scientists around the world to collaborate and share information. Hmm. Um, and that's you know that's kind of the basis of science is kind of a free market of information. Yes. Um, and I have no doubt that that America will, but yeah, I think it's a little bit more grey when you talk about you know, Russia and China, but. Just, just to compare timelines, just to remind me, mm-hmm. when was NASA planning to get people on the moon? Um, so they plan to land on the moon in late 2025, so about two, I'm going to say 2026, realistically, um, mm-hmm. but even that's quite ambitious. Okay. Um, and China wants to do it in 2030, um, and India wants to do it in 2035. So you're looking at kind of five-year-ish gaps between those yeah. three countries of landing okay. on the moon. Do you, do you think these are all realistic ambitions for each country? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is realistic for America. I mean, they've been to the moon. They've already mm. you know, had their first Artemis mission, and they've got a lot of money and architecture behind it. Um, I, I think it is also really viable for China to do the same because, you know, th- they've had rovers on Mars. They've had their own moon missions. They've been able to do stuff, and they have now had their own space station too. Mm-hmm. So it is a natural progression for China. Um, and I think India's the same, you know, it's, they've kind of surprised a lot of people with what they've been able to do with um, their space agency and also their budget. So I, I don't think it's unrealistic. And, um, you know, I, I think the kind of exciting thing about this new space race is, you know, once one country goes, it really does encourage all those mm. other countries to go. Get and it there. makes them want to do it faster, essentially. So yeah. they might say, oh, you know, 2030. But if NASA's doing it in three years, they're going to try and trim their timeline down. So mm. it really is kind of a space race to get to the moon. Come on, guys. Just think of all the cool stuff you could be doing on the moon together. <laughs> I it's know, so good. I know. Look together. Mm. 
Okay, now the, the last story you've sent through is about Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, yeah. Beetlejuice. It's uh, Beetlejuice. Um, kind of fitting for Halloween today. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, so they're back in back in 2019, there's a very bright star called Beetlejuice, which um, kind of randomly started getting really dim. It's lost like 20% of its brightness, and we weren't really sure what was happening. Um, a lot of people thought maybe it was going supernova, but we've really only this week confirmed um, that it was... Uh, not aliens, unfortunately. It was actually just the star itself um, erupting and the the gas and the dust from the uh, eruption basically just blocked the light from the star. So it's no alien megastructure. Okay, all right. It's a pretty simple explanation. Yeah. Relatively. That is, I was hoping it would be aliens, but yeah. once again, not today. All right. Now, we have a question from a listener. Yes. Are you feeling prepared to answer a random question? I love random questions. Okay. Let me just make sure I didn't delete it by mistake. Are we due for a meteor? And does the U.S. Air Force truly have an outer space space team to deal with it? Um, are we prepared for a meteor? I mean, we know of all large and potentially damaging asteroids, and mm. none are predicted to hit the Earth within over 100 years. Um, so it's not an immediate worry. Um, if we do randomly discover one, um, I mean, we have some technologies to potentially deflect or move asteroids. I mean, we saw that last year with the DART mission that had that asteroid. Um, but it really depends if it's a really big asteroid, if it's mm. like 10 kilometres, we can probably do nothing. If it's below a kilometre, we probably would be able to deflect it. Um, so, it, yeah, it just depends how big the asteroid is. All right. Okay, Josh, what do we need to know? What do we need to know about the Stardome and what's happening out there at the moment? Uh, what do we got? We got our, we got our Halloween shows tonight. Ooh, we are sold out, unfortunately. Um, okay. But we had our sci fi at Stardome. We've got our next one, which is tomorrow, and that is Ex Machina, which is a great film. Mm. Um, and there's still a few tickets for that. So, yeah, get in quick if you want to watch that under the stars. All right, all right. And uh, someone's, uh, this, is, this is a very serious question that has just come through right now, Josh. Yeah. Okay, this is very serious, all right? What is the point of three countries going to the moon, spending that money that could solve world hunger? Um, well, space exploration and world hunger um, are two problems that we can solve at the same time. They're not yes. mutually exclusive. Yes. All right, Josh. Yeah. Great point. We can work <laughs> on everything, guys, together as a team. Yeah, we, can do, we can do two things at once. Yep, yep, yep. I feel you, Josh. Hey, Josh from the Stardome, thank you so much for chatting to us. We'll look forward to speaking with you in two weeks' time. All right, speak to you then. Bye. Thank you, Chet. Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium.